Hello, everybody. Welcome back to D&D 404. I am your DM, Tony. And join with me today are the other three songs that rock, but you might have forgotten existed, starting with the number one, C-C-Studio, Jared. What's going on, guys? Armo's checking in. Um, I gotta say, my slept on song, the one that I, uh, as soon as you listen to it, you gotta play it again, is uh, Spody Odie Dopalicious by Outkast. What is that? If you don't know that song, as soon as you hear it, you're gonna start hearing the trumpets, you're gonna be like, this is just, it's such a good vibe. It's awesome. I love that song so much. If you don't know it, go check it out. What about you, Dan? <laughs> There it is. Hey, I am Dan. I play Minis Pebble Walker, your tiny little swarm keeper ranger. And I am the good people of this podcast. It's by Jack Johnson. A pretty, pretty popular artist, but I don't think a lot of people know or have listened to good people. That is a song that doesn't get an, enough recognition. And I go back to listen to it constantly. And it's, I think it's a, a very fitting song for our times. It aged very well, so definitely go back and give that a listen. So that's my song. What about you, uh, Drell? Yeah, my name is Drell. I play Alec of the... Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> my name is Alec. I play Drell of the Ashbourne. And my song... It actually took me a while to think of something, but I'm, I think I'm going to go with When Your Heart Stops Beating by Plus 44. If anyone doesn't know who that is, it, it was a band that was created by Travis Barker and Mark from Blink-182 when they took like a hiatus and they have like a bunch of other people in it. And it was just like one of the songs. It's it's not as good as Blink-182 music, but it's 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 definitely like a sing along in the car. It's it's pretty good. So go check it out. What about you, Tony? My go to song would have to be Peaches by the Presidents of the United States of America, where it's like millions of peaches. <laughs> Peaches for me. That's like my go-to karaoke song, too. It's like such a good one. It's such a good song. <laughs> I've never heard that song. Well, you should so listen good. to it because it's slept on. <laughs> nah, I heard of it. Not slept on. Not slept on. Confirmed. <laughs> you know the deal. Before we roll for the recap, we're going to go ahead and roll for the rundown. And today's rundown is brought to you by Jared. What's going on, guys? If you haven't heard, we updated our website. And I'm talking... Not even like a slight update. Massive overhaul. Overhaul. Tore it all down. Rebuilt it. Rebuilt. And we uh, bought a few domains. So now if you go to dnd404.com, that is right. dnd404.com will get you to our new site. Go check it out. We have character bios, mm -hmm. episode blogs. You can comment on every episode straight to the site. We have uh, the same merch, but we're going to be updating that soon. Contact information on all of the platforms is there too, and we uh we we're gonna add a few extra little things in there every so often. So, dnd44.com. But Jared, I live in Canada, and my parliament is super restrictive. <laughs> How can I access the website? So we also bought. Uh, so funny story. So <laughs> D in uh, Canada, dnd404 is some kind of military license. So we uh, we bought that domain as well. So dnd404.ca. Nice. If you wanted to get there. <laughs> and also uh, 404pod.com works as well. So we now have three domains. And comment, comment in the Discord what the Australian websites are, and maybe we'll buy that too. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Just get them well, all. We'll get the .org. 
the the dot nets. We'll get them all. As a Canadian adjacent, <laughs> I'm I'm very excited about that. Oh my. Anyways, roll that dice. Let's We're gonna go. roll it. We're rolling it. Where I roll a giant rubber foam D4, where I am number one. Two is Dan. No, two is Alec. Oh Three is Dan. Four is Jared. First try. Rolling it. That was a pretty good roll, right? That I, I was impressed am with that. Happy with the roll. I, think, I don't I think, think I'm gonna Jared. happy with the results. Yeah. yeah. Is it? It is. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was gonna be me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. This is my favorite segment when it's not me. <laughs> See, it's the way you threw the dice. You gave it to, normally you throw it half-assed and it rolls. And it just, can feel it's the like, mischievous Damn. nature of his toss. Yeah, that one was like a legit good toss, so it really randomized it. Ugh. All right. I'm just so excited about this arc. Bro, that's why I'm just, oh. A basketball pun for the D&D nerds. I like it. So last time on D&D &D 404, we're chilling on Priscilla, right? And out of nowhere, these gnolls jump us. Classic move, but no biggie. We handled it with style. Things got wild when Menace tried to speed up and whoops, hello, double-headed crocodile. Bit of a scare, but Armos whipped out some serious magic and Drell was on cleanup duty. Teamwork makes the dream work. After the adrenaline rush, we had a moment, you know, we got philosophical about life stuff while picking off the last of the gnolls. Good times. We roll into sand low and picture this, a village with a big old floating rock overhead. Yeah, not your everyday sight. Drill was all about the speed potions at the shop and Menace, our boy, got big. Like eight feet tall big, thanks to some potion magic. But the heart of the episode, Menace in the journal shop. Sparks flew with Numi. Is it love? Who knows? Menace and Numi totally vibing at the journal shop. Could this be the start of something epic, right? Meanwhile, Drell didn't want to show his journal, saying it was his diary and Armos, he's all in. He's ready to share his only catch. It's a demonic tome, which definitely gave Numi a bit of a scare. Wrapped up the episode by going out of the journal shop, seeing a mysterious dwarf with some fancy tools. A golden hammer? Stick around, folks. We got love in the air, mystery to solve. Definitely going to be having a chat with a dwarf. And Bard, play that intro. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the world of Humbrea, featuring three first-time adventurers and one very patient DM. This is D&D &D 404. Fellas, boyos, welcome to session 90. Wow, look at that. Wow, we're in session 90, boys. What'd you think of that? 10 away. We're 10 away from the big 100. Let's see if you guys survive till then, all right? We're, we are going to pick up Session 90, in the heart of the mountain city, full of minotaurs, San Lo. Our three adventurers just left the journal shop, where Minis made a great new friend named Numi. After setting some plans to meet Numi at the local tavern of Milk and Honey, where outsiders are allowed, they discover a dwarven teenager, an older teenager, with a golden hammer, and the, another fell Ogburn attached to his waist, walking out of the blacksmith shop with a bunch of supplies. This catches your attention, and that is where we are going to pick up. It is currently midday. The city is bustling with workers. People are traveling, buying, selling, and working. It is moderately dense, and there are eyes everywhere. What are you doing? Guys, mm. see what I'm seeing, right? What? Drell like looks around like he doesn't. Over there. I point a little too high because I'm used to pointing up. 
I mean, this is also 710. No, I'm pretty sure it's eight feet. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's closer to mm -hmm. eight feet. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and Gerald does like the hand height measuring thing on his head to menace. Can I see who's taller? I'm usually four foot, so I'm probably like eight right, right now. Mm, probably not. But anyways, but oh, yeah, that's... Wait, isn't that the guy Lord Baron was talking to us about? What's his name? I. It's in my notes, but I don't... I don't have them out right now. Starts with a O B. Oh, he's a dwarf. We need him. Let's get him. That's what that orange elf was talking about. Doric. There's an O in there. As soon as I hear his name, I start stomping over there, trying to get oh, no. in front of him to <laughs> start a conversation. I look at Drell. I look at Drell. I thought we were about to sneak up on him. Uh oh. I thought we were just going to go talk to him, but... Oh. How are the three of you approaching this dwarf? Um, I just want to get in front of him to stop him so that we can, like, start a conversation with him. But I want to be, like, ready to act in case he tries to do something with his, uh, his lantern. How far away is he from us? He's about 30 feet away from you. He's walking out of the blacksmith's forge, and he has about three, four crates in his hand stacked on top of each other. Mm. When he walks out of the forge, you see that he's navigating through the tall minotaurs. He's about four feet tall himself, but the way he's stepping, it's like the minotaurs are like walking by him and he's moving like water through their legs, like navigating through them like he's done this a million times before. Mm. Almost, you start to walk over. He's walking the same pace as you. How are you trying to get his attention or how are you getting in front of him? Well, now that you mention it, if he's moving so uh, swiftly through all this, I'm starting to rethink. Oh my God, do the old, do the old accidental bump into trick. <laughs> he's not rushing. He's walking with purpose. No, I know, but it, it, he's very swift, which if he starts to run, oh my God, I don't want to do a chase scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to get in front of him and then bump into him and see if he, if he like magically goes around me or something. First, give me a performance check. Oh, okay. Our boy's good at that, right? Performance. 18. Oh, what is this? Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at these things over this on the, in the store. Oh. You, with an 18 performance check, you manage to get in front of him and you go to like bump into him. Very naturally, doesn't he doesn't assume that you're trying to get into this way. It seems as realistic as you made it to uh, for him to believe. It looks like you just like tripped in front of him and he like almost, pi he pivots out of the way, almost like a dance move. He like jumps on his left foot and then jumps on his right foot to get around you and continues to walk. He doesn't look at you. He doesn't pay any mind. Give me a perception check. 11. Okay. You don't notice anything other than the clothes that he's wearing. He's wearing leather clothes. He's covered in soot. It looks like he has been working at an anvil all day and he's wearing this metal helmet. I look at Menace and I go, Menace, you're next. And I push him towards him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's still like, he's probably a little farther away from me now, but he's like, wh where does it look like he's walking towards? He's heading north. Oh, he's heading north? Yes. Okay. I, I kind of walk forward. Uh, I stumble a little because I'm not used to my weight and I shrug at Drell and I, I just try and tail him for a second to get an idea of where he's going. Go ahead and make me a stealth check with advantage if the three of you are following him. Not great. That is a 20... 
33. I got a nat 20. Oh. Armos, what did you get? 13. No, 13. 12. 12. 12. <laughs> the three of you are confidently trailing him. You believe that you're not getting his attention. Even you, Armos, as you're stumbling, Reginald is like, come on, stop tripping over stuff. With your 12, you know you notice that your footing is very off almost. More in a weird way. You feel like you're tripping over something that isn't there. And like you're looking back and you're like, I didn't even bump into anybody. And Reginald's like, come on, come on. Oh, you got two left feet. What is this? Amateur hour? And the three of you follow along. Then you notice that he heads more northeast where a lot of the tents look similar. They look like homes. And you see like soft smokestacks of like people cooking inside or doing their daily activities, but it looks more residential in this part of the area. And then he takes one of the dirt roads uh, to the side and you notice that there is a watchtower with two of these Centaurian uh, Minotaurs looking about. It looks like they're just guarding the area. Now, Minus, when you talk to the guard in episode 89, when he ignored you, they look the same. It looks like he was guarding an area specifically from outsiders. Same thing for this path. It looks like there's a large chunk of the city that you're not meant to go in. You see the dwarven teenager, the dwarven child, look up at the tower. He waits a second, and then just as swiftly as he was moving around the citizens of the town, he slips behind another tent and uses it almost as an alleyway to proceed further. With your stealth checks, you manage to follow his steps. You wait a few beats, and then you follow along. And he's heading north through the residential area, and he's trying not to be seen by the townsfolk that would more or less care that he's there. What are the three of you doing as you continue to follow along? I want to make just like a perception of the area around us, and I want to actually see if anyone else, like if we're looking for him, I want to maybe think other people are looking for him as well. Sure. So then I just, I want to just see like if anyone else is paying attention to him or looks like they might be following him or interested in like following him as well. Make, make me a perception check. That's <sighs> a net one. Nothing out of the ordinary. You see a lot of minotaurs. You see families, you see kids running around. Looks like they're playing amongst themselves. You see mother minotaurs taking care of their, their duties. You see very, very normal residential activity. Girl, girl, pay attention. You're falling behind. I, what? Sorry. Just looking around. I just want to believe a nat one, like a bug flew in his eye when he was trying to receive something. <laughs> 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 so what is this, amateur hour? What, you don't know how to stalk people or look around? Jeez. All right, you don't need to be rude, Reginald. All right, let's keep going. Yeah, seriously, sorry. It's uh, uh, You don't need to take supplements to look bigger, menace. Uh. Is natural. Then I keep going. <laughs> you take one D4 cutting words. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, right now, I just want to keep following this guy unless some of you have another trick up your sleeve. Nope. I'm down to just keep following him. Yeah, I'm word. down to follow him. I'm just worried that it's going to seem more suspicious the more we follow him. But right. I'm feeling that too. I would almost... Yeah, I don't know. Let's just keep... We're in it. You've continued through the residential area as now the three of you are also dodging the view of the people living within their homes. They seem preoccupied, so it's very easy to navigate. You see that he now heads for the hills beyond the residential area. You see that he waits. There's a hole in one of the fences. It's very small. It looks like he, it's actually a hidden entranceway into the town. He approaches the wooden gate. He looks around, doesn't see anything. 
and then moves a plank to the side that's just big enough for somebody of four feet squeeze through seamlessly. And then he slowly brings the boxes through. And then the plank closes and the three of you approach the gate. I pop my head out of a bunch of SIDs I was hiding in. <laughs> All right, let's go. It is a mountainous area. That would work. <laughs> can, can the other guys make it through if they like struggle? Would they make noise or something? Yes. Anything that is over five feet tall would probably have a hard time squeezing through so this. So, Minus is big right now as well, right? So yeah, he is. <laughs> that about, that's my next thing. <laughs> it's the, been over three hours. <laughs> this particular barrier is about 15 feet tall. This isn't the main defending wall, but like it looks like this is like a keep out area. All right, everybody use your quiet stuff and I bonus action float over the wall. Oh yeah, let's just use our quiet stuff. Cause we all have that. Uh, Drell pulls out his ring of jumping and he's gonna just try to jump over it. <laughs> yes! 15 oh feet is so easy for the ring of jumping for you because of your strength. You just go up, up and you hop over. That's wonderful. Almost you're next. Uh, I'm just misty step through, I guess, <laughs> with my... <laughs> Reggie goes, come on, come on. And he opens up the plank so you can see where you need to go and you go and you misty step three feet forward. That was the best thing that's ever happened for such a mundane aspect of the game. <laughs> Three of you make it over this fence and you see the dwarf leagues ahead of you. It seems like now he's like moving as fast as he could and he seems like he's heading towards a cave. Are there like other people? Like what does it look like once we... Not in this area. So it looks like an abandoned town or abandoned... Give me a perception check. Ooh, that's a lot better. That's a 25. Looks like an old mine. Mm. Looks like he's heading towards a mine shaft of some kind. Okay. Okay. It looks old because you can tell that the entranceway, the wood, the structure, the foundation to hold open the uh, the entranceway is it is rotted. It's not. It doesn't look stable. It doesn't look well taken care of. The tracks for mine carts are broken, and it looks just overgrown. So activity here looks like it uh, uh, it stopped. Got it. I suppose I'll wait for him to enter and see if he looks around before moving forward towards the entrance. Sure does. So as he moves towards the entrance, he gives one last glance and he looks around left to right. He looks above him. He goes through some of the overgrown foliage and he goes inside the cave. All right, we just uh, going in this cave here. God, I hate caves. What? Since when? As like the three of you are talking, you see a quick green flash. Oh, uh oh, guys, uh, I hate to say it. I think it's time and I pull out a lantern. Nope. Nope, not doing it. Nope, not going. Can't make this is, me. This is our actual quest. Can't make our me. actual quest. I'm not going back there. Last time I turned into a giant dragon. I try and persuade Drell to go into the Drell, listen. All right? That thing's long gone. We took care of it. This is going to be a whole different area. We're stronger now, right? You're the strongest out of all of us. You'll be fine. You think so? Yeah, look at you. You're all natty. Like someone I know. Wait, what do you mean? He's talking about Menace. <laughs> yeah, Armos, and I'm thinking about the blood sharks. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go up to the entrance of the cave, and I'm going to check to see if there are any, like, traps or alarms before I... Give me an investigation check. That's going to be a 22. Not bad. You do not spot any alarms, traps, bamboozles or hoodwinks. What you do see when you gaze inside the cave is that 
A couple of feet in, it looks like the mine has collapsed in on itself, preventing you from going further than a couple of feet. I knew it. Video game secret passage shit. <laughs> There's gonna be a waterfall in here, Armos. I can feel it. Ah, uh, hang on. Whoa. X nay on the waterfalls. <laughs> They're not my favorite thing. <laughs> We're bringing up all the trauma this episode. <laughs> all the trauma. Yeah, I pull out, I pull out the lantern and I hesitate. I'm like, uh, I don't think we have another option, guys. We're wasting Got any time. other ideas? Let's go. No. What if it's ah. just a door and I try to walk through the wall? Take two points of bludgeoning damage as you walk through a bunch of rocks. Oh, fuck. All right. All right. Do it. Fine. And I like point <laughs> to the lantern. What about Numi? Oh, uh, no. Uh, guys, could I use an emergency magic letter to write to Numi? You cool with that? Who? We got we got nine left. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I already used one. <laughs> you better make it quick. Better start okay. using your scribble handwriting and not that uh, crazy stuff you've been gotcha, trying gotcha, to do. Gotcha, that gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Me. I don't know how to explain this, but we're in a predicament. I will tell you about it tomorrow, or maybe the next time I see you. I'm sorry, but I will have to cancel our next meeting. I, I, I promise I'll be back. Best minutes, Pebble Walker. <clears throat> and I write it on the magic letter, seal it, and throw it into the air. You take up this green envelope, the uh, letter from the FFCS, the magical envelope, and you gingerly wave it in the air and it slowly disappears into this green dust and surely it is delivered, just like last time. <sighs> Forgive me, Numi. I light the lantern. You see as the world begins to contort and change around you, shadow overtakes the sun, the cave becomes darker, and the rocks become twisted and slowly reform and uh, move out of the way. They begin to meld back into the cave wall, now giving you a passage deeper into the cave. Outside, you see the large glowing moon. And that's the only light source, as now all the trees, the land, and rock look decrepit. And you also see a rundown version of San Lo. You do not sense any activity beyond its walls. You now have a dark cave before you. <sighs> Fuck. Okay, um, I'm going to cast light on, uh, I suppose, Drell's... What, Drell, what do you want light on this time? My head. Oh, well, I don't... Like a light bulb. I don't know if it works on living stuff. I'll try. I'll try. I try and cast it on Drell's head. Um, I think it needs to be an item, but I'm sure you can find something on his head where it yeah. illuminates. <laughs> All right, fine. My sunglasses. My sunglasses. Do it on my sunglasses. Oh, my God. And I, <laughs> I cast it on his sunglasses. Wow. <laughs> whole new meaning to sunglasses. Is it, <laughs> is it still maroon? No, this one's like a green, like a club neon green. <laughs> Man, I was expecting Cyclops over here. Your sunglasses illuminate this bright neon green, like a lantern torch working almost as a flashlight. Where you look is where there is light. and softly illuminates everything around you. And you are in this cave and it looks like it just goes forward. And as the neon light illuminates, the light is now also reflecting off these little mushrooms along the cavern walls. They shine green and a light blue, and you hear the soft echoing of hammers banging away down the cavern tunnel. Like more than one? 
It sounds like one, but it's like a steady beat. Turn the beat around. <clears throat> oh, well, uh, should we go this way? Uh, yep. All right. In we go. And Menace is feeling very sad, thinking about Numi as he walks forward. Drell's walking like he's, uh, he is the Apple Vision Prozone, and he's like just waving his hands around with the lights on. You wander deep into this cave, and before you know it, you find yourself in this massive cavern and it opens up. You see a torch lit, almost like a forge fire deep in the distance. The cave is filled with these green and light blue hues. There is an opening on the other end of the cave where the moon shines through to provide some more light. You see in the distance, about 60 feet away from you, is the dwarven child hammering away on an anvil that's slightly bigger than the average anvil. He's on a step stool. And then you see a humongous shadow lurking in the background just beyond the moonlight that is illuminating the better part of this cave. And it looks like a hulking figure is sitting down, hunched over in this cave that's barely able to contain what? him. I put my finger to my nose, like nodded. Wait, to go talk to him? Is that what we're trying yeah. to do? <laughs> or whatever. Dude, I almost like, I don't know, I'm getting not great vibes now. I feel like we should ambush him and steal his lantern and then talk to him. But he's pretty agile from what it seems like. I mean, kids these days playing hopscotch and running amok and playing tag when and I mean, they're just so nimble, they're hard, to, they're hard to catch sometimes, you know? When Lord Baron was talking to us about this guy, did did he happen to mention, like, if he was friendly, if he was in hiding, if he was, like, or, like, if he was lost? Like, I, it seems to me he's just chilling here, so... Lord Baron was talking about who? Who were you asking about? This, wasn't he the... The blacksmith. This, the blacksmith, the guy. They were looking for a blacksmith. So Lord Baron requested you to yeah. find a blacksmith, and one of the places they were looking was... Kabuki Owls. He did not give you a name. The only lead that you had, you had potentially two leads from Reese, who had found, uh, who mentioned Dwork to you, who you believe is this dwarf child because he has the matching hammer, which was an important detail that he left with you. And the other lead that he had that he felt uh, that ended up being a dead end was a drow elf named Sentry. Mm. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So, what are the three of you doing as you are overlooking about 80 feet away? You see this dwarven child, his back is to you, kind of like on an angle. You see that he's hammering away, and beyond the moonlight, you see this hulking figure, like hunched over, sitting down. You cannot see any defining characteristics because you're just too far away, but it looks like there's a giant human sitting down. What do you guys want to do? And Trell, like, leans over and he's, like, whispering. Uh, I mean, maybe I could sneak up, go invisible, and take the lantern just to be safe. Is this lantern at his hip? It is. I mean, but what's the worst that happens? He flips his lantern and then can't we just like, if we're close enough, he'll take us with him, right? And then we can, like, I don't think the lantern's the big issue. What? It, okay, so when he's hammering, is he just nonstop hammering? Has he ever put it down for a moment to like, I don't know, do something else with either hands? It's been like a few seconds since you guys were talking, so it looks like he's trying to shape something on an anvil. I'm curious that once he puts the hammer down for whatever moment, then that's when we strike. The and quench. Then we, yeah. You're thinking about the quench. 
Yep. <laughs> or the flux when he has to flux the the heat of whatever he's going. Yeah. Yep. Any of those things. So I'm thinking he's gonna put it down at one point. That's when we strike. We we disarm him. Um. Well, maybe maybe he's nice. Maybe we just gotta talk to him. That's what I'm saying. Like I just feel like. But I mean, we, let's be real. With a monstrosity over there, we... Okay, what's, what do you got against tall people? And Drell stands a little taller. Hey, don't go down. Yeah, and get I down, stand a little taller, and then I... Yeah, and then I remember we're trying to hide. Uh, I just... I, I mean... I don't have anything great right now with my spells. I just, I just don't think the best way to make a friend is to steal their shit and then try to talk to them. Yeah. I mean, we could... If we wanted, at that point, if we disarm him and then talk to him, that's better than us ambushing him and fighting him. So he's going to take it as, oh, hey. I vote I go invisible, then pop up and say hi. When you mention that idea, Menace, so about a few moments have passed, you hear him still hammering away. And as you pitch that idea, you see a large hulking hand reach beyond the moonlight. Uh, its flesh tone is very gray, heavily tattooed. And the tattoos shine, and, and they uh, they are very luminescent within the moonlight, almost providing its own light source. And you see that stretches across the cavern, and the hand itself is about like a good one fourth of the cave. And you see that his, a large finger placed next to the anvil. And it looks like he's adjusting the, the very small item in comparison to him on the anvil. And then his hand reaches around the back of the dwarf, he's fixing his posture, and then proceeds. No words are said during this process, but it looks like it's guiding him. And then the hand reaches back to the shadow. See, he's just trying to learn from his master. Oh, or what if he's, what if he's like fucking hypnotized or something? Cause remember, Armo's like tripped oh in front of God. him and he didn't even say anything. He just kept walking. <laughs> so like, what if, what if he's just being controlled? by this person. I could do one thing. I don't know. I'll just throw it out there and see what you guys think. So I do mm -hmm. have another... Um, I can teleport right behind him, and then I can cast... Teleport behind who? The dwarf. And then I can cast friends on him. But, but then he'll know you casted it, right? Yeah, but if he's being mind-controlled by this other guy, then that doesn't matter, right? Love this mind-control theory. Almost, I need to remind you of how some of these abilities work. And right here, you see that there's a uh, credential for the friends. And he's flipping through your tome. Uh, under the uh, friend spell, now Virgil has some glasses. You need to be, uh, what's the verbiage here? Not hostile. And appearing and scaring somebody uh, in a dark cave in another realm where they don't belong um, may uh, yep. put, place yep. you in the hostile category. I'm just saying. Yep. I don't think it would. Drill's like pointing right? to Reginald and nodding his head. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not a paralegal, but I'm just saying. Actually, I guess I am. I'm a if I, If he doesn't even know I exist, I'm not technically hostile, right? Mm. Oh, no. It sounds like hearsay to me. <laughs> <laughs> I That's now okay. realize how much lawyers and demons who make packs with mortals have in common. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Menace's hand is still raised from his idea. <laughs> my hand's getting tired. What are we doing? I got I got one one last thing before we go with Menace's idea. I dispel magic and then we go in there. I feel like we do that if we run into trouble. Just to save your spell slot, you know what I mean? 
Because if we run into trouble, then we can, we can look, if we notice something's magical, we can dispel it. Okay. I'll stay here. <laughs> oh, the yeah. The first sign of in trouble. Oh, I'm yeah, ready. this is, I'm starting to regret coming up with this idea. All right. <sighs> I'm going to go invisible with a bonus action. And I'm going to sprint 60 feet forward with a dash action. You run up 60 feet and you take notice behind a boulder. Make me a perception check. Let's see what you see. Uh, nine. With a nine, you see a dwarf hammering away on what looks like to be an outline of a sword. Nothing specific. It is still burning. It's, rather than red hot, it's burning green hot. You see that the flame next to him is burning green, and he's using this fell fire to keep the item warm as he looks like he's shaping it. 20 feet away from the anvil, an additional 40 feet beyond that is the hulking figure beyond the moonlight. And now you can get a better look, and you see the outline of two large eyes completely blue. You do not see any type of iris or pupils. It's completely blue. And you hear deep breaths. It is a large humanoid shape. And then a fist emerges from the darkness. The gray arm reaches beyond the sunlight and just as fast as you ran over, slams his hand down on you, Menace. Almost like a cage. On right on top of you. Shit. Guys, you can see invisible things. The massive fingers and your new size make it just thick enough for you not to go through it. And he's like grabbing the ground, making a cage with his own hand. And you see that his face stretches beyond the shadow into the moonlight. Before you is a massive giant sitting in a crater, using it as a seat for himself, hunched over in this dark cave. His tattoos stretch across his body with large tribal marks. They are the same color as his eyes. They are acting as a light source now that, that they are being reflected from the moonlight. It is a bald gray giant, very muscular, looks a little bit old, big gray beard that melds in with his flesh tone. He tries to look under his hand and he speaks in a very deep voice. Trespassers? And Shadowfell. Now I've seen it all. And he's looking right at you despite you being invisible. Yeah, after six seconds, I go on invisible. Like, hi, I'm Menace. I don't mean you any harm. <laughs> you see, the dwarf doesn't notice or acknowledge what's going on. He's hammering away. Drill pulls out his book that is keeping score for everything, and he marks one for Drill and zero for Menace. Because he was right about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just gonna jot this down real quick. Okay, all right, Armos, what do we do? Should he cast dispel magic? I don't, I don't know if that's gonna help. Uh, I don't know, and I kind of wait to see what happens. Oh, I got an idea, Reginald. Get out there. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I mean, let's just see if he can see you. Then we'll really know what we're dealing with. It's not, a bad idea. It's, not a, it's not a bad idea. Although I do have a problem with putting me in harm's way. I thought you were this almighty powerful demon. I'm a little... demon from the nine hells. I earned my seven wings. You're right. You shouldn't put yourself in that danger. Drell, 
Drell throw. Guys, now that I'm over here, I can tell that your voice is echoing everywhere. We were not being quiet. Menace, shut up. All right, well, if you can hear us, then I was right, Menace. <laughs> I didn't say you were wrong. I throw Reginald. <laughs> you see that the giant lifts his hand up and he sets you free, Menace as he's looking at you and you see his blue eyes like almost as his eyebrows are moving examining you in place Minus Pebble Walker oh my god he knows his name Drell he knows my name that oh he can't hear me yeah that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> you said uh, that you yelled that out loud yeah <laughs> when you say Drell's name he doesn't have a suspicious face anymore he has a curious face as he looks into the other end of the cave and then he leans back so slightly into the moonlight, puts his hands on his massive legs, and he goes, please, step forward if you mean no harm. Yes, absolutely. Sorry for giving you a, a, a scare here. <laughs> and I step forward. You step forward, so now you're illuminating more in the moonlight. And then you step into the dwarf's view, and he looks up for a moment and then stops hammering, and he's like looking around, that he looks at the giant, that he looks at you again, Minus. And then the giant turns towards the dwarf and he gives him a calming gesture, almost an at ease type of movement. And you see the dwarf become relaxed and he's no longer worried. Please join me. And he's talking to you, Drell, and you, Armos. Guys, he knows you're there. Fuck. Okay. All right, Armos, you go first. I walk in. I guess I follow. <laughs> I'm rubbing my shoulder like a kid that got <laughs> caught trying to get a cookie from the cookie jar. Drell and Armos, as the two of you step forward towards the moonlit cavern, and you see this massive giant, he's only wearing like a giant fur belt. It looks like the belt is made of from like just a massive beast, and it's only covering his waist down. And it looks like a mix of leather armor and just cloth to keep him warm. He is bare chested, completely lit up with various tattoos. It looks like this beautiful tapestry on his skin very fit. He looks at Armos. He goes, we have a tiefling, we have a minotaur, and we have a face I never thought I would meet. The son of Brax. Oh, fuck. You know my dad? (laughs) I know your father very well. In like a good way, like your friends, or like a bad way where it's probably a bad idea that you know I'm his son. We used to adventure together, and he reaches his massive hand over, and he introduces himself. I go by Scoreus. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I put my hand out to shake his hand, and I say, uh, yep, I've definitely heard of you. Uh, I'm Drell, as you know. Uh, yeah, and I shake his hand. You, like, his, what, like, half of his finger is, like, more than double your size. And you go ahead and you try to shake his hand. Try to. And he pulls it back. I never thought I would ever meet you because I did not think my name would ever reach your ears. You were just you were just a little lad when your father's passed. But it's nice to finally meet you. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, been a, been a long time since, since then, you know? Uh, quite a few years. Feels like yesterday in my eyes. That was adventuring with your father. Well, unfortunately, I never got to do that. So <laughs> he kind of like died when I was young. So uh, I guess lucky for you to feel make it feel like it was yesterday because definitely doesn't feel like that for me. 
such as the Ashbourne Way. What brings the son of Brax to Shadowfell? Well, we are looking for... Lord Baron, I guess, sent us on a quest looking for a blacksmith to, um, I guess, possibly help with something he's trying to do. He smirks at that name. He goes, what is Baron trying to achieve these days? Science stuff. So he believes in. Uh, yeah, so, uh, listen, Scoreus, um, we're, we're trying to stop Vero Grimgar from, like, blowing up the world and stuff. So, uh, I don't even know where to begin. It's another name I haven't heard in a very long time. That lunatic. Although crazy and has some power behind his words to those in Umbrea, is it the main catalyst driving its destruction today? Yeah, yeah, we know the main guy. Drell looks at Armos. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Armos with a side eye. Wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> I can explain. <laughs> can you? Can you? Armos? Why don't you show him your journal? And I do air quotes. Yeah, well, why don't you show him yours? Oh, yeah, I got one right here. And I pull mine out. Wait, it's this is not about me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we... We gotta tell you, we found... We found the other hammer. Did you make that? You say hammer and he looks over... He looks over to the dwarf and then he looks back at you and he goes... You found... You have the Ignis hammer? Yes. Do we have it on us or do we leave it with Lord Baron? Baron has it. Baron. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we left it with Baron, as you call him. The overachiever. Not the worst hands you could have left it with, but... Then again, an item with such... Lore isn't really safe anywhere. However, a fortress is a good spot to leave it. Yeah, I think he's like, I don't know. He has that, and I think he has like, I don't know, like one of those blue like acrylic shards or something. I don't know. Excuse me? <laughs> hmm? What'd you say? Care to elaborate? Uh, <laughs> Minus, do you want to explain uh, what I was talking about? Oh, yeah, didn't, uh, what was his name? Bowden or something? Made a, made a pretty cool shard. Another name I didn't expect to hear today, Bodie. <laughs> Look at us. It seems like the three of you have been around. Bodin was your father and I's traveling companion, part of our hunting party, who went crazy trying to pursue the knowledge of blood shards after a Christo's first attack that devastated the heartland. He attempted to purify one of the gems because he thought it, it may have held the key to a Christo's demise. Now, whether it is or isn't, I believe in Bowden. Bowden was a very smart man. However, that knowledge corrupted him, and he's just a former shell of what he once was. Truly tragic what happened to him, but many great wizards have fallen to a worse fate. He left me with his purified gem in which I have protected in one of my homes in his honor. Now, I don't think it really possesses that much in its own within its original state. The last thing he had requested of me before he converted to his new form was to craft a weapon that was able 
to socket and hold one of these gems, something strong enough, because these things tend to have uh, a lot of condensed magical energy within them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The last weapon I was able to make, he looks at you, Drell, was your father's axe. Oh, damn it. I knew it. Oh, I didn't want to say anything. And in a result of that creation of that axe, I have lost one of my most valuable smithing hammers. And then he leans closer into the light and he shows his right shoulder. And you see that against his gray flesh, his shoulder and a lot and most of his upper arm is completely black with this yellow scarring. It looks like energy is escaping. This golden energy that is releasing through the cracks of his skin. Minutes, you instantly recognize this energy leaving his body. It's the same feeling you got when Bando Bars passed. You get the sense that he's slowly dying. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I just give him a look. Well, it's not your fault and these things happen. I put my trust in Bowden, and I'll, although I'm sure he was on the right path to solving the issue, to my knowledge, he only made one of these gems, and I don't think a single weapon would be able to take out an alleged god, as he refers to a Christo. Uh, well, um, we, you know, we saw the gem that you were talking about in your temple. We actually met its, the temple's keeper. They're pretty cool. You should go meet them sometime. Um, but I'm very familiar with Alara, one of my trusted servants. Oh, okay, wasn't sure if you know you've met or <laughs> you know I don't know whatever. Anyways, who else would have uh, tasked her to watch over? My I don't own. know the person that was tasked before. I don't know how long ago you disappeared. I don't know these things. I'm I'm confused. Didn't that happen like 300 years ago? Alara is very old. Oh, in relation. To you, to a tiefling. Okay, first off, I look great for my age. <laughs> Second off, <laughs> wait a minute. How do you know our names, but you don't know where we've been? You see that he points to his eyes and he goes, "Most gods have true sight, and if they don't, then I would really call him a god." Hey, did you know our friend Bandobaris? I'm familiar with Bandobaris. Unfortunately, I haven't sensed his. I haven't sensed him in a very long time. I assume that he may have passed. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we were there. You would be. Bandobaris was known for his trickery and often meddled in the qualms of mortals where we should simply step aside for it is not our responsibility to clean up the problems that so to speak, you created. I look over at the dwarf and then back at the god. <laughs> <laughs> aren't you kind of, and I'm twiddling my thumbs, aren't you kind of meddling in now, right now? Like He looks over at the dwarf, he looks at you, and he actually laughs. <laughs> I guess you have a fair point. As you can probably sense, I am. My time is slowly creeping up on my, uh, on me as well. Time waits for nobody, whether you are a god or not. I'm simply passing my teachings along. Hi, Doric. And I wave awkwardly. He's looking at Scoraeus, and when you say hi, he doesn't look at you. And then Scoraeus turns to you and goes, he can't hear you. Oh, oh, is he deaf? He is. He also doesn't speak. He understands gestures, and I believe he can read lips, but 
most of our conversations have just been as simple as pointing and communicating through uh, our gestures and body language. Minus looks at Armos, then looks at Drell, and then thinks back to when we used all these abilities to get over a damn wall because we thought he could hear us, and then just feels really embarrassed. <laughs> so, let me get this right. You're passing all your knowledge on to somebody who can't hear or talk? Is that what I'm understanding? If somebody is able to use an artifact as rich as the one he has in his hands, they are worthy of the knowledge I have. Yeah, I was going to say, almost, it's pretty insensitive. And just because somebody can't hear doesn't mean it's a boundary that cannot be overcome. As far as I'm concerned, blacksmithing is very noisy and easily the most annoying part of creating anything. Yeah, Armos, stop pointing. Yeah, Armos, stop pointing at other people's downfall. Wow, Armos, this is so. And then rude. I poof back into my mini form because my potion wears off. Uh, it's not what I meant. I'm just saying, how can we communicate to this person? I want to be back. I want to be tall again. Under my guidance, you will not communicate with him. I can be tall. Oh, oh, sorry. So we have come to. We've come here. Because a god walking around the material plane is always cause for alarm. As you can probably assume, I'm well sought after by my own followers. And, well, it becomes a bit of a burden from time to time when you are just trying to teach somebody new. And everybody wants to be taught by you. So we have retreated here to the fell, where time is works a bit differently here. It's skewed. A moment can last forever, or it can pass the blink of an eye. So we can get, we're able to use Shadowfell to our advantage so I could train him at a much steadier pace. So what are we doing? You're creating a weapon. Is that what it is? Mm, one of many. This is right now I'm teaching him some techniques. Yeah, the fundamentals. And he looks over and you see a whole bunch of weapons and a whole Don't. bunch of armors being made, and nothing looks like extraordinary. It looks like he's practicing repetition. You have to create a thousand swords to make your first decent sword. But why have you followed young Dwork here today? Well, we kind of want the same thing you want, I think. We're hoping to find someone that might be able to craft some crazy weapon that could fight evil, you know? Is your goal to slay a crystal? Yeah, mm. Huh. Why else would you be pursuing these items? Why are you here, Minus? Why are you looking at me? I look left and right, left and right. <laughs> You're the one here looking for weapons to fight evil, quote unquote. Yeah, well, we, it's our, uh, our group journey. We need to uh, fight the bad guys, you know? And uh, a Christo needs to be stopped, so, you know. A problem that has plagued Humbrea and other realms for many, many years. He looks at Armos and he goes, he seems to have the closest connection to him. And then he points to Reginald as you possess a piece of him on your shoulder. Oh, he can. He can see him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Things make sense. He's rethinking all the blood shards that he's <laughs> Hey, do you think there's a way to, like, purify his book, like Odin purified those gems? He looks over at Armos after you mention that menace, and he, may I see the tome? Uh, yeah. So I, I willingly give it to him just because if I, at any point I want it, I can 
call it back. It's like one of its abilities. Wait, almost. I don't think you should really give that to a guy. <laughs> you see, like, Reginald, like, pull his fur. And then as you hand the book over. Gross. His radiance is all over it. <laughs> he, uh, he picks it up between his fingers and he looks at it. And as he points it to himself, Armos, Drell, and Minish, you quickly see the acrylic shard in his tome turn into an eyeball and it stares at Scoraeus. He goes, This <laughs> uh, putrid reeks in every realm. He throws the book back to you and lands at your feet. He's keeping tabs on you as he points to the eye and then the eye disappears within the acrylic shard. The gem you possess is indeed one of these acrylic gems. The one that Bowden had purified. If Bowden was around, sure, maybe he could, if he didn't go mad with the knowledge that he possessed. I mean, where did you see him last? Bowden? Yeah. Like, is there a chance he's still alive? Or a Nothic? He points to Minas and he goes, yeah. He goes, yes, he's currently a Nothic. Oh, I knew it! I told you guys he was the Nothic! <laughs> and Minas writes one for him on his journal. <laughs> <laughs> as many wizards become when they chase evil magic. You see, Bowden was obsessed with finding a cure, which I guess isn't the worst thing in the world. He was trying to solve the problem. You see, Bowden is a bit older, four times as old as your father, Drell. You see, Bowden was a very powerful wizard that ventured with us. Because he, although he, his knowledge was for the magical arcane arts, he did enjoy the occasional monster hunting from time to time. And that's why he traveled with us. And then a crystal attacked for the first time, 600 years ago. You see, Drell, your father is a bit older than you may think. Under our guidance, we had magical means to prolong his life. He may have been still alive today fighting if it wasn't for the disease plaguing his body. The same disease that plagues yours. Oh, oh, come on. Why'd you just say that in front of everyone? <laughs> Wait, Drell, what's he talking no, about? No, thing. He's not talking about anything. He doesn't like... know what he's talking about. He's some... What? Some crazy what? giant guy. He's going old. He, you know, he's losing his mind. He's got no idea what he's talking about. I step forward and I'm like, Wait, what do you mean? Wow, dude, sick HIPAA loss. Cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Drell's father, Brax, has something called Frost Rot. Something okay, here we go. And as he starts to talk about it, like Drell kind of distances himself, but he's still in earshot. Drell's ancestors, the early fighters of the Ashborns, fought a dragon named Egger, who was known for his rage, a powerful dragon. The clan managed to slay Egger, and in their old ways, decided to drink his blood, thinking would grant them power of the dragon. It did. It gave them this great boon that passed on through his lineage. Those that succumbed to its power through their rage were afflicted by this frost rot. See, the frost rot lies dormant if you live a passive life, but becomes stronger and more effective the more you use it for your advantage. And Drell's father, well, he was an angry one when he wanted to be. But as all Ashborns, they like to go out fighting. 
And that's how Brax went out. Oh my gosh. Armos, we're going to have to enroll Drell in some anger management classes. He he rages a lot. Yeah, I slowly start turning back and looking at Drell. <laughs> what happened to his axe? I would imagine it's where he was slain. And for someone who doesn't know that, where would that be? <laughs> I'm unaware of its exact location, but I know it's somewhere within the North Trillis Mountains. See, your father knew that this disease was creeping up on him. The, the gem that was keeping him alive, which essentially makes you age slower in common terms, wasn't uh, slowing down the disease quite enough. And your father did not want to die to the frost rot. So he wanted to go out the way he wanted to. He traveled deep within the mountains of North Trillis. He went to go find the wolf god Frostoon, which is the god beast of wolves, an elder wolf god lives in North Trillis that would appear when the moon is highest in the sky. Beasts worship Frostoon. Your father killed Frostoon when he was on the material plane hunting with other large winter direwolves. He slayed the wolf. Badly injured, he succumbed to the disease next to it. But your father died a god slayer, a feat not commonly obtained. By the greatest of heroes. <laughs> Classic dad. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> and you see that he laughs. Okay. Well, I have I have so many questions. Lots of questions. And I just kinda look at Drell. Very sad. <laughs> Drell puts his sunglasses back on. <laughs> oh, it's dirt it's in my eyes. Didn't think you guys were gonna talk to a god today, did you? Nope. Yeah, I did. I saw it on your whiteboard behind Ooh! me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has been watching, so I kind of want to like explain kind of what's been going on with the tome to him that we've been get that I've been having to gather blood shards, and that it's you know a bridge is being formed, and that there's a obvious uh, kind of thing at the end, and see if he thinks it's something that could bring a crystal back to it similar to how he's hiding in here is a crystal hiding in this type of uh you divulge all the information that you have about what you've been doing to him yeah just because i'm like i'm starting to like obviously since he met, said that about reginald that's where armos's mind's probably going to so you tell him all the information about what you've been doing up until this point when you met him and he goes so you're the catalyst for his return. That bridge that you're building is the bridge between his realm, Baloon, and our realm of Hubrea. When you complete that bridge, you will have full connection to this world, and you will be able to return to wreak havoc. That's what I was afraid of. When this before the second attack happened, we knew the name Viral, Grimgar, as you mentioned before. He was a catalyst for that attack. We knew that Viral was using the Red Dawn to further his plan. These, these lunatics, these cultists, so that were once outcasted by the world, felt a felt that the cause that Viral was spewing to them to be a just one because they thought that a crystal would reimagine the world in their image. But all he wants to do is take all life. Bowden was, was trying to prevent that attack, but it happened too soon. His, 
his research wasn't nearly complete to purify one of these gems. And after he left with Horatio, which was lucky that a person who believed that he was a child of God happened to be one, he used Horatio and he traded a momentarily ceasefire with the world because he knows that the energy he can get from a from someone with a god heart was worth more than all of the lives that walk around today because that one god heart within Horatio could fuel him for many years the same energy that you are giving him Armos keep god hearts away from devils <laughs> okay okay Armos is trying to take all that in and just grabs Reginald from by his scruff and and starts yelling at him like, did you know everything about this? You knew all this? He's like, ugh. He's like, almost. I'm going to level with you. Yes. <laughs> what do you think we've been doing? And you see that he jumps down onto the floor. What do you think we've been doing this whole time? I give you power so you can few, so you can run around and essentially burn things. Get your revenge on the person the demon that took Layla. You wanted this power for your own selfish gain. And Acristo gave that to you in the form of me. Why do you think you can destroy everything so easily? Why do you think you have all this power behind your fingertips? It's because of me, we made a deal so you can get your revenge in exchange for blood charge to rebuild the bridge. What do you think we've been doing? Armos is filled with rage and he doesn't know what like how to <laughs> how to express it. <laughs> just sitting there like just fists clenched, staring at a rabbit that's looking up at him. It, it would he would audibly be turning more red at this point or, or like visibly more red, but more red than a red tiefling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't like this contract any more than you do. I don't want to serve you respectfully, but here we are. But Reginald, you're like our friend now. Yeah, good co-workers, sure. What? Reginald, I fed, I fed you hay. Yeah, it was, it was great. Don't get me wrong. You got a lot of great stuff here in the material plane. I want to go back to Beiloon. That is where I belong. Oh, I thought, I kind of thought we were like, you know, gonna hang out for the long haul and you'd, you know, come with us on cool adventures and stuff. We're just a mean to an end for this guy. Oh, I, I see Reginald. Wow. That's what our contract is. I don't want to serve Christo any more than he does. And he dresses the Armos. I would love to be my own free demon, but I need to earn that right. So I have to work and I have to serve him. And he looks at Armos. Armos for for the first time is already starting to like plan Reginald's demise <laughs> because he's so angry. Scoreus chimes in. Here's my two cents as a god who's not supposed to meddle with mortal problems. However, what makes a god angry is someone who's not a god trying to play god, which is why I don't like a Christo. He is not a god, but he sure has the power of one these days. He's nothing more than a lich hiding behind the guise of unholy magic. To defeat him, you need to meet him. Otherwise, he will find other ways to come here, other cultists to do his bidding. If it's not you, Armos, it's someone else. And it could be Viral or someone 
like Viral. I'm sure you've already met others who have the passion as that crazy kook already has. So is there anything you can do to help us on this journey? I mean, we, we came all this way. I feel more defeated talking to you than I have in any other battle that I've been in. Ah, he just screams because he's so fucking frustrated. <laughs> Look it off, almost rock. Walk it off. He looks at Dwork. He looks at you. So you're telling me that Baron has the other hammer, the Ignis hammer. Sure does. The hammer he's using is Rinth's Galatus hammer. Rinth was a powerful blacksmith, eons old. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but he was quite talented. These artifacts was what he used to forge powerful weapons. Dwork here holds huge promise. These weapons, <clears throat> these hammers, contain the power to build and craft legendary weapons and perhaps not wound its user. And he gestures to his arm that is slowly leaking this energy. Perhaps if we had the other hammer and the gem, perhaps we can craft more weapons. This would take time. I recommend, Drell, when he looks at you, I recommend you make amends with your past and the troubles that plague your mind and you find your father's ax. That will already be one weapon capable of holding one of these gems. If we had another gem, perhaps two is better than one, and then when almost here finishes the bridge, perhaps you can face a crystal head on. If Bowden was right, perhaps these weapons will have an effect against him. But you're we saying if, if we were to find, yeah, because we have two gems, so if we were able to find Bowden, then he could turn Armos's gem into a third one? There's two gems? And now he looks surprised for the first time. Oh, uh, did we gloss past that? Yeah, Minus found it in a tunnel. Yeah, we were helping Kemi Joe with a school project. Yep. Then we found an alchemy jug, and then I made friends with a snake. And then I uh, we kept going. Then we made Reginald. Oh, no, not Reginald. Armos, I think, swam across and found it. Where was this tunnel? I, I find it hard to believe that you were just wandering in a cave one day. Well, we were at a cave. There were bugbears. Then we went to fight some jazzy dudes. And it was in that house, where, which was outside of, I think it was outside of Gilo. It was in a well. Wasn't it in a well? Yeah. You point to him yeah, on, like, we on a map well. where Gilo is, and he goes, yeah, that was Bowden's house. Oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense now that I'm thinking about it. Oh my uh, fucking God. Okay. <laughs> now. Does it all make sense, Armos, from Arc 1? Is it all? Is it all coming together? Where you found a book with the Dark Three? <laughs> no, I thought it was the fucking uh, Jack Bolsinki's fucking house. Oh, no, Jack no. Bolsinki was just happened to be with the Jazzy Jazz oh, Bandits, and he's Armos. an initiate. <laughs> Armos, show him your creature book. Monster notebook. <laughs> yes. So you take out the monster notebook, and it's a book that Bowden was like researching on, and it's filled with various monsters. Mechanically, if early on in the game. Uh, you were able to have a chance to find weaknesses for early game monsters, but there was a page folded in where it was a Nothic and it was notes about the Nothic. You show him the book and Scarius laughs to himself and he goes, he knew he was going to turn into this. He knew he was going to come to this and yet he prepared for it. That's the Bowden I know. He was leaving clues. Yeah. Tried to capture him too. You met Bowden? Uh, met so strong word for what happened really we uh he followed us and it was late night at camp and then i tried to capture him with a net and then he ran away why was he following you did you have one of these gems on you yeah 
That's, well, now that makes sense. So if he's a Nothic following one of these gems around, he's probably studying its abilities and how it reacts mm. to mortals. Wait, does this book, and I point to Armos's tome, is this, can this like listen in on our conversations as well? Like can, is everything we're talking about being communicated? Well, when I picked it up, there was an eyeball looking at me. I would assume that he might be able to hear you. Uh, what? Wrap it in foil. <laughs> Dispel magic. Wait, wait, I need that. <laughs> Here's what I'll do. Baron has this other hammer. I will take young dwarf yeah. here and we will go and we will craft using both hammers. We'll retire to the chapel where I have my tools and we'll begin crafting another weapon. He looks at Drell and he goes, I feel there's already one made just for you. If you want to take the journey. He looks at Armos and he goes, you're not much of a weapon user, I see. More the magic kind. If you find Bowden, perhaps the two of you can have a discussion. And he looks at you, Menace. If I would craft a second weapon, it might be for you. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with my god sling here, but... You know Melora? You ever met Melora? You hang out in, like, your world? We don't have godly taverns, but... I've had, I've have crossed paths with Melora. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm new to this. Cool. Yep. Yeah, she's she's awesome. We're like best pals. Best pals. A follower of Melora is always welcome. Good, 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 good. So well, uh, next time you see her, tell her, tell her Minnesota, what's up. Yep. Yep. That exactly. That exactly. So uh, okay, got a plan. Plan is good. Plans are good, and we appreciate you helping us out in any capacity. We'll. I suppose when we're done here in the Kambuki Isles, we'll go back that way. Speaking of which... Menace is rubbing his shoulder again. Do you, you don't... You don't happen to know, like, the, the exact location of the crystal-headed Hydra of the Kambuki Isles, do you? I'm unfamiliar with this beast. Oh, okay, okay. There okay. are Hydras all around the Kambuki Isles. There are many yeah, types of Yeah, keeps saying hydras. that. Yeah. We got ocean Hydras. Cave hydras, land hydras, iron scale Almost hydras. Always the exact hydras. same. You got some hydras with five heads. Pitch every time. Six Six heads. has been pacing this entire time and is just losing his mind the more I hear the word hydra. <laughs> <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so that's fine. Menace is like really starting to get worried at this, like at the journey that. All of his efforts have been for nothing. And he's going to go home empty-handed, and he's just kind of staring at the ground. I will go back to my chapel. Greet Alara once again. I hope she's excited to see me. I'm sure she's doing a great job watching over my home. It seems hopeful that the three of you have met me this day. Perhaps Dwork has done more than progress in his blacksmithing abilities. He he led three unlikely heroes to my presence. Some might call that divine faith. I just call it luck. And he looks at you, Menace. What's up? He look, He goes, Raise, let me see your sling for a moment. Mm, yeah, okay. He, I've never let anybody touch it before. You could... Mm. He, he holds it out and he like... 
holds on way too long and gets lifted off the ground as he's going, <laughs> and then finally... <laughs> you see Scoreus gets nice and close, and he looks at your sling, and he can easily tell that this is, like, your preferred weapon. And he, uh, he's starting to examine it, and he goes, maybe I'll craft something to your liking. And this will be a little out of the ordinary for Doric here, and a great test of his skills. Laura has done a great job already, and she he, he could sense the the uh, her influence on the sling, and he goes, but perhaps we could make a few adjustments to it to uh, maybe hold one of these gems. To, to hold it? Oh. oh. Well, you... You don't need to do anything specifically for me, as long as we get the proper tools needed to defeat him. But if it happens to work, I promise you, I will wield it greatly. He leans back and he looks at Dwarak and he makes a few hand gestures. He's like, almost like sign language. And you see Dwarak begins to wrap up some of his supplies and it looks like they're ready to set out. And he looks at, he looks at Drell, he gets closer. Drell's holding back tears behind his sunglasses. He goes, I'm really happy to have met you today. Your father was a mighty warrior we've killed. We have traveled and hunted many dangerous beasts together. Giants, dragons, beholders. It's a lot of great times. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was finally meet, you know, finally able to meet someone that uh, knew my dad better than I did and was able to spend a lot of time with him. So it's good to hear, you know, war stories. Your father hunted down an evil god of beasts that would raid and pillage simply just to destroy. He, if he did not go out and fight, the father you would have met would not have lived up to your expectations today. Your father wanted to go out the way the Ashborns have believed they should go out their entire lives. He wanted to go out a monster hunter. And if he were to stick around to try to raise you, he feared that you would not have respected him the way you would respect other great fighters today. And he would rather you have the memory and the legend of how your people live than an elderly man who wouldn't even be able to stand. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, maybe I will be like him. I actually have a crazy psycho beast god chasing me as well uh thanks to this guy and i thumbs back over to armos talking about the null god that's fucking sending <laughs> oh, all the shit <laughs> so you know who knows maybe maybe i'll be able to kill one too one day we'll just have to see he nods at you and he gives you he tries to shake your hand but he gives you a sign of respect he makes like a, a symbol with his hand if you're anything like your father you have i have full faith in you and he sits back and he goes, well, looks like we have our work cut out for us. We're going to be gathering our things and be heading back to my chapel and uh, heading back to my chapel shortly. Do you need passage to South Chulis? Yes. Oh, with the my work? goodness. Yes, if that's possible. Well, we are leaving now. You can come with me. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> you, uh, oh no, we got. Never mind. Yeah, we got some stuff we got to take care of. No, I mean, guys, if you need, if you want to go back and start getting that stuff ready, that that's cool. And he's kicking a rock. I've, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Then no. 
<laughs> just no, says, no, we got We got some stuff we got to take care of here. Yeah, we got some point, hydras to kill. Armos already feels like everything's defeated as far as he's considered. Like you know, like he just can't isn't going to win in his ability so he wants to make sure that um, at least uh Minus completes his his uh quest but he doesn't know he wants to like talk to Minus and just be like uh level with him cuz we've kind of been going around doing all these things you know uh type of situation and I'm I level with Minus and I'm like Minus I don't know if there is a crystal headed hydra uh yeah. but if you want to stay here and fight it and search we can and then make our way back to south trillis any way you want but we've asked a lot of people about this and we don't even have a lead currently and let's just say fighting a god would be a better trophy to bring back to your tribe than any hydra there is. Don't start listing them, and I I, I point to the the uh, Scraeus. <laughs> he stares intently. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I don't know if it exists for real. It's it's been a legend in our tribe for a long time. It's been said that warriors have tried and failed centuries and centuries and centuries ago. I don't know if it is real, but I'm gonna at least try and see if I can find it. If you want to join me, oh, that would mean the world. But if nothing happens of it, I I apologize that I couldn't lead you to Greater Beast, Drell. And that I couldn't help you get through this shit. And I look at Reginald. <laughs> Almost. Don't look at him. Don't you dare. You take that best friend page out of that book. Yeah, we're upset at you right now, Reginald. Oh, you're upset at the demon for the doing demon I, things. Oh, wow, this is great. He paces in a circle. And just stop you from talking. I am going to do it. But that is not the point right now. Scoreus chimes in to you, Minus, as he's like listening to part of the conversation. He goes, Make sure you are satisfied with your own life before you willingly throw it away others you're taking a big risk if you choose to go down this road with him and he looks at armos it's a big risk that you may not return from if you're going to go all out if you're going to go all out make sure you've taken care of the business that is important to you and that is some and that is advice from a god and i'm writing that down in my journal uh, advice from a god wow <laughs> hey um you don't happen to have any like I don't know, plus five armor or anything for my dying friend over here, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is all this stuff that you have over here? Least we can do is Simple utilize armor. some of it. We're practicing technique and form. You see, wielding a hammer of that magnitude can take a lot out of you. So he's practicing yeah, yeah. repetition. The armor um, here is simple plate armor, chain mail, various different styles. I think you're better equipped the way you are than taking this stuff around. Gotcha, just had to ask. Understood. I mean, when you're with a god <laughs> and he's making lots of armor, like... <laughs> uh, My crafting days are 
long behind me, and he taps on his wounded shoulder. All right. Well, we've got business to take care of here. We'll see you on the other side. But not, no, not like when we're dead. That that came out wrong. Like, we'll see you in South Trellis. I mean, the guy's dying, Menace. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it I know, I know, I know. You know what? We're all dying. Now that I think about it, and I start talking about Drell. Drell's <laughs> <laughs> already walking towards the exit. You see Rigel's next to Drell, so I was like, so now that you're, like, dying and in the foreseeable future, if you were to pass, what would you want to happen to your hands? I, oh. the last thing I would want is for you to put your little grubby mouth all over them. Okay, hey, listen, you never know what you ask. <laughs> and he waddles away back to Armos. Well, we're going to be traveled within Shadowfell. Perhaps sometimes the answers you're looking for aren't as clear as day. And my... And you might find some answers within the darkness. If your adventure has brought you here, then take a look around. Thank you for speaking with us, and I'm glad we found you when we did. I think we're going to be having a... I think we're going to be leaning on each other quite heavily in the next month or so. I look forward to our next encounter. And you see that he slowly gets up. His full body shines within the moonlight as he's using the opening from the moon to illuminate his whole body. And he begins to turn and start packing up the tiny equipment from Doric and puts them on his shoulder and begins to climb out through the top. As he leaves the cave. The cave is now that much darker since he has left. And the only light source is the dying forge flame and your uh and drell sunglasses and my feather and your feather and Armus's red hot rage the three of you are currently in shadowfell in san low what would the three of you like to do all right we should probably hurry out of here right all right well, i mean he said i mean what you're looking for might be in the darkness so what if this hydra is in this cave okay maybe and i well, try and think back to like uh madame fusel and see if i can because uh, I know I know Drell can like see portals, so I'm trying to see if I can call in that same promise that was made. Yes, Drell knows of all active portals to Shadowfell. So when you think back to Madame Fazel, she mentioned that this being that you're looking for, this uh, this crystal hydra, was in the town of San Lo. But interesting. But it could be in yeah, this. it could be. In Shadow, yeah. What if, what if it was the shadow fell Sanlo? Oh, I never really thought about that. I suppose I was so yeah. Because wouldn't people in a town see a hydra if they if they well, knew? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I want to just do a, just a general uh, perception check of like the town because are we we're not in the town now or we are the the cave the mine that you went through was like just beyond like a wall it's considered to be inside the city but it's like in a closed off yeah. area because the mine was no longer active yeah i want okay. to do an investigation check while we're in the cave i guess just to see if there's anything um related to a hydra or i don't know okay so you go ahead and you look through the cave the cave is essentially this giant cavern that scraeus and Dwork were using as a forge to teach. So as Dwork would be able to learn uh, from Scraeus. You're looking around, you don't see any hieroglyphics, you just see the 
old remains of soot. Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping. Soot, dust, uh, le uh, ignorance that have been ruined and all this old armor. They just like left it behind. You examine the armor a little bit and you see, you see the obvious flaws from Dwarik. It looks like he's been practicing um, every waking moment towards crafting and with constant repetition and some of the armor looks fantastic great standard armor and others look really dented and poorly managed you look around the cave and it's just like a straight shot from where you entered to this large room that Scarace was able to sit in and you start to walk outside of the cave to go towards St. Lo still observing and you see the town of St. Lo and it's completely deserted you like Go past that um, that fence that you initially came in. It's like all destroyed and tor torn down. <clears throat> the city is deserted and empty. The buildings are run down and nearly destroyed. However, they do look very similar to the buildings that you passed. The gates surrounding the city look beaten and worn and swing loosely on its rotting hinges. The moon is high in the sky and it's illuminating everything around you. But you notice one very obvious detail that's missing. There is no floating island here. And that is where we'll end this week's session. That's suspicious. <laughs> That's weird. Hmm. <laughs> lore episode. Heavy lore episode. Yeah. Heavy lore wow. episode. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, Lore wow. episodes are always good. They're good. Uh <laughs> you know, the thick lore episodes. Yeah, we got another journey. We got yeah. new quests. <laughs> quests going north. New quest unlocked. So, look, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I always try to avoid talking heavy episodes where it's like you guys don't really travel that much. It's just like you talking to one person the entire episode. But this was like a much needed session. This is eventually going to come. Uh, for those that are taking notes, there was a lot of things dropped in this session. Mm -hmm. Hope everybody's theories and um are holding up or perhaps some questions are answered for any conspiracy you guys can't theories see out this, there but armos jared is just shaking his head so mad <laughs> over <laughs> why because <laughs> reginald called you out <laughs> well there's that but the yeah i was, i'm saving it i'm trying to just save it after show, after show. I was a very strong moment between Armos and Reginald. It's like kind of a wake up call a little bit. You have yeah. to like, Reginald is, you know, friendly or whatever, but like, you have to remember, he is a demon and working for the dude that's trying to eat the world, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I want the, the storyline where he's like, in the last moment, Reginald's like, no, he jumps in front of Armos. <laughs> The, f the fable two he's ending. Not a, he's not going to yeah, get a chance. Yeah. That's for sure. That's good. Solid, <laughs> solid sewed. Oh, um, great job. Yeah, great job, everybody. Everybody gets an inspiration uh, die for role everybody. play. Everybody, yeah. It's a big episode. It's a big episode. It's a, very, it's a big checkpoint episode. I'll take that. I need. Yeah. It. And with that being said, does anybody have any recommendations? Oh. Um, I mean, no one else has one. I have one, but it's not like anything crazy. Why'd you take it this week? Um, I just started watching this show. It's called Abbott Elementary. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I see the it's ads on for Hulu. It. Oh, it's, I think I, is it a comedy? It's pretty funny. It's I like um. Oh, who's the uh, teacher 
So it's it has the guy from Everyone Hates Chris. Yes, mm. yes. So he's in it, and um, it's it's so good. I, like <laughs> some of it, like there's just one like specific episode that I just could not stop laughing the whole time. But um, they are coming out with season three. Um, it'll probably actually be out on Hulu by the time this airs. So. Um, you've got like two episodes ca- or two seasons catch up on if you want. It's just a, like a good like lighthearted, um, yeah. I don't know comedy. Yeah, like a good comedy complex. to wind down from yeah. from a betrayal that you'll never recover from. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It's it's super <laughs> funny because there's this just one teacher as well that totally reminds me. So she's like just this diehard blue collar lady from like because it's based in Philadelphia. Um, so she's just like this blue collared, uh, like Philly lady from like South Philly. And it just reminds me of Tony and like his like New York voice that he does for, you know, some characters. And it's just too funny. It's too funny. Well, I never do a New York voice for my characters. Okay. They just happen Wait, to sound that no, way. No, no, no. You try not, you try not to do it on purpose. Means- some of his characters. You mean all of his characters? Oh, I'm a god here. Oh, yeah. I'm crafting here. Scraeus was like, "Hey, I'm crafting here. Like, what are you doing?" And with that being said, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our Patreon supporters. Say goodbye, everybody. Ooh, goodbye. Later. Bye bye. Welcome back, everybody, to another Patreon shoutout. Starting with the Blood Shard Bandits. A small fox peeks its head out of a giant footstep. Morgan Ulthil does the same. Hero and companion look towards their target, then back at each other with a worried glance. As silent as can be, the two hunters flank their prey. Washed in shadow, the beast can be seen breathing deep in sleep. It was not a giant after all. Artemis and Kemi Joe leave the Wildside Tavern in good spirits. He never knew Sir Jofferson could act so confident. The two barmaids even came along for the journey, as they are headed towards the Lucia's farm and vineyard. Something feels off, but Artemis can't seem to put his gauntlet on it. Rocco the Croco continues east, not sure exactly what he will find along the way. After a half day's journey, Rocco stumbles upon a young Kuotoa seemingly stuck in the mud. After reaching out to help, bang, chop, whack! The little guy hits him with a butterfly spin and swift strike to the jaw. The last thing Rocco sees before falling unconscious is a small ribbon waving in the wind. Baby Dread peeks out from behind the Mandalorian- wait, uh, <laughs> wrong show. The Dread, in his young drow form, holds tight to his mother. She picks him up and runs, shouting for someone in the distance. Peering over his mother's shoulder, Baby Dread watches in horror as the green flames spread like wild magic fire. The door closes just in time for Alara to force Julius into a duel. The tension is palpable as a ceramic tumbleweed made from the vase Minus destroyed rolls by. Alara shifts her foot along the floor, shifting to a more optimal stance. Boom! Anma slams her fist down on a raptor, then waves at Reese. He found her just in time as this new lead can't be left unled. Anma's smile turns to that of shock. With whimsy, Reese asks if his new hairstyle is really that bad. Before Anma can answer, Reese feels the breath of a giant reptile on his neck. How blam boom! Julius Kendrick throws necrotic magic this way and that, doing his best to keep his distance from this masked martial artist. Every time he thinks there is time to light his lantern, Alara shortens the gap. 
Aha, she was careless, and Julius blasts a hole right through her mask. But wait, there is no one behind that mask as it falls to the ground. And why does he feel like he is falling too? A young fighter donned in holy plate armor scans the bounty board of a local tavern. The barkeep shouts over, Not much coin to be made there, laddie. Nor do we care to share it with someone like yourself. The fighter turns calmly and places a strong hand over the hilt of his sword. The barkeep changes his tone when he recognizes the face before him. <gasps> Prince Aaron, uh, please forgive me. A man in the corner watches this happen, but there is something wrong with this man. It's like he's never held a fork and knife before. People are staring at the prince, so maybe he can sneak away during the shift in focus. Reigns sweats as he tries to keep up appearances. Rommel sets up camp close to a portless shore of the Kambuki Isles. Sample after sample, he collects rocks, dirt, and bark, and takes note of their strange similarities. It is as if the terrain in this area shares a heartbeat with the plants rooted into it. He prepares a ritual on the ground with materials he collected. Let's hope he got the math right. And finally, Warden enters Umbrea once more, but this time with a new outlook. Fully decked out with new armor and new skills, this hero is sure to turn some heads. What kind of adventures will they embark on next month? Next are the Sigic College alumni. Andrew Hall sits sweating as he puts Quill to scroll on his final test. Not because of the difficulty, but because of the broken Ray Frost conditioner. He's pretty sure he aced that test. Sakajewa has finished the arena, but now it's time to build his very first Rocket Boot League car. He paints the trim titanium white and prepares to train his newly enlisted club members. Patrick Wennerstrom, or should I say Punk, runs from the Red Guard, his bandmates close behind. As they dash away, Punk pitches a new song to his band members that goes, I fought the guards and the guards won, uh. Robit takes the end of the day bread out back to be thrown away at the end of his shift, but places it into a bag of holding instead. It is said great cities are built on great foundations. St. Chaos is trying to cut a distribution deal with Lucia's farm and vineyard, but has hit a bump in the road. Their head winemaker wants to meet in person. St. Chaos is now wondering if he can obtain a true polymorph spell with his wine-drunk rat army. Scoot Dude finally got back to us! I, I mean, Traegar Meltmetal is spending his last summer studying in a dusty cave, a few miles just outside the Sigic College. He's the first in his family to go to college, and also the first goblin to ever get accepted to the Sigic College. Sergio Rodriguez frantically looks for the missing blood shards that he was supposed to be guarding. If he doesn't find them, he can kiss this job with a red guard goodbye. What would he even do if that happened? Next is Sly, the were-raccoon. Sly follows an armored guy, a gnome, and two barmaids out of the wild side tavern. They should make easy targets. And last but not least are Humbrea's heroes. Abdul Rahman begins brewing his new anti-theft potion to actually thwart a thief this time. Alex Dredd questions the first person he meets, looking for clues on the anti-theft potion thievery. Caleb Schneider feels a bit weirded out that this random guy would question him in the middle of a duel. However, Johnny Tar uses the distraction to his advantage and lunges towards Caleb. In Dilmore, Man with Glass waves his new patron goodbye as he prepares to leave the store in search of this anti-theft potion. Odemel doesn't really understand all these new techniques, but tries her best to follow the Rocket Boot League match. 
Nubs tries to explain how the player Beast Sense is performing what is called an air elemental dribble. Back in the potion shop, someone named Will Miller watches in curiosity as a shop owner throws his homebrew potion at a thief. And that's it for this month's Patreon shoutouts. If you'd like to hear your name read here, go on over to patreon.com slash dnd404 and see how you can become part of the community.